Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Get ready for the word of God. I want to direct your attention to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be reading 18 through 20. This is... um, Of all the the lessons and the messages that have been preached this time of the 37 days of consecration, um, this is lesson 13, message 13 that we've done. One one message was um, the one that I felt to preach Sunday may not have been exactly in keeping with the theme, but I felt the Lord had given us for that. But this is going to be the last of the series that we've been teaching and preaching about mobilize and so tonight I want to talk about mobilize disciple makers you are a disciple maker you're not just a disciple you're to be a disciple maker I'm pointing you to Matthew 28 18 and Jesus came and spake unto them saying all power all power you might want to underline that word all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. We we talked from this verse, taught from this verse, um, <clears throat> at least once specifically from it. I want to go in a little bit different direction and talk about disciple makers here tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for your community, the church, your body, the church. We thank you, God, today for your blessings, Lord, in this house. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. (laughs) Shake hands and be friendly with somebody around you before you're seated. Y'all might have to help me with the sound. My throat feels like I'm, my voice is trying to go out. So you bump me up or bring me down, whatever you need to do uh, to, to help me out tonight. Disciple makers. Jesus, we know, commanded us to go, but we just don't go and do one thing, but we go and make disciples. We don't just go to see somebody Saved and then left alone, but we're to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We are all to be disciples. Can you say amen? amen? Jesus began this text that we're reading by saying, All power, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. It's a very interesting word, that word power. We have taught on it before and we'll 
uh, bring it back to your remembrance here. Does anybody remember the Greek word exousia? We have talked about, remember the, the badge and the gun illustration? Is that exousia is the authority and dunamis, the Greek word dunamis, is uh, the, the action. Amen. Dunamis power is what God does. When the Lord said, you shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, that is wonder-working power. That is miraculous power. That's active power. But when he says all power here, he is saying all authority. If dunamis power is what God does, then authority, exousia, is who God is. He is authority. Everything in the universe operates under authority. Everything. We're, we're spinning at just the right speed on the axis here at the earth. We are tilted just in the right direction on that spinning rotation. Otherwise, we would all be in darkness or cold. Or it, it, you know, it's, it's incredible the way the Lord does. It's his authority. The Bible says he upholds all things by the word of his power. He upholds all things by his authority. So when it says all power, he is saying, I have all authority to give you to go. So when we go, we go in authority. Not only do we go in authority to represent God, we are submitted to him, we are submitted to Christ, but with that submission, we then can carry authority with us. When you walk into a soul-winning situation, you are walking in with the authority in the name of Jesus. You say, but I can't say, I can't talk, I can't, I don't know how to do this. Well, you're still walking in with authority to do it. So when he says that I have all power, he's saying I have all strength, I have all ability, I have all rights, I have all influence, I have all governmental authority and power, amen. We find that the Lord is, is, is the one that has the jurisdiction, he is the one who is ruler. We are his ambassadors, so we therefore operate in his authority. You are in, if you're under his power, if you are submitted to Christ, if you are submitted to the Lord, you are in authority. Doesn't matter if you're called preacher, saint, teacher, grandma, grandpa, uncle, whatever, broke, rich. You're operating. If you're submitted to the Lord, you're operating in his authority. You can walk into your job and say to every demon that is around you, I am here under his covering. So therefore I operate in his authority. If we ever get that, if we ever as the church get that, watch out. We learn, I think, a little bit of it, but when, when it sinks into our spirit who we are and whose we are, it's going to be something awesome to see. I believe the Lord has taken us there. Can you say, take me there, Lord? So he says, all power is given to me, then you go. You go in knowing that authority. 
Let's do a little bit of breakdown of this verse just for a few minutes. The word go is not the verb in this verse. But it is a particle that magnifies the subject of this verse. Go. Go. Not a verb. All of our English scholars might might kind of raise our eyebrows at this, but even the word baptize is another nominative part and is modified by the preposition phrase in the name, baptize. The main verb in this verse, when you look at it in the Greek language, is the phrase teach all nations. That's the main verb. So if you were to say the main point of this verse is not go, it's a part of it. It's not baptize, it's a part of it, but it is go teach. And when you see that go teach, that means go make disciples. The main important part of our life is not just to win souls, but to make disciples. We don't just run people through the baptistry and say, okay, now you're on your own. We want them to get the understanding. When you come out of the water, you now have gone from sinner to pupil. You have gone from sinner to student. You are now to fall under the tutelage of the greatest rabbi of all and to follow the greatest teacher of all. And his name is... Jesus, Jesus, amen. Every disciple, if you're a follower of Christ, whatever level, whatever place you are in, you are under the mandate of the kingdom and under kingdom authority to go make disciples. Somebody say, I can do it with him. Disciples. In the Greek, the word here. Uh, is, is a word I dare not try to pronounce. But according to Mr. Vine's dictionary, this word for disciples is from a root math word. It is from a word about math, indicating thought accompanied by endeavor. Go make disciples and help them think so that they can learn to become what Christ wants them to do. Matter of fact, it is from this Greek word that we get the English word mathematics. Mathematics. The word disciple describes a person who learns from another by instruction, whether formal or informal. Discipleship includes the idea of one who intentionally learns by inquiry, observation, and teaching. In the Hebrew, the word disciple is this word, uh, Talmud, Talmud, where we have the plural of that, Talmudin, Talmudin. Both the Greek and the Hebrew word for disciple means student. Everybody say student. So when we say go make disciple, it means go make students. And students make good teachers that continue being students. How many know that doesn't matter how long you're in this, we're all students? 
We don't graduate until the day they bury us or we head up to meet the Lord in the air. We're all students. We're all learning. Amen. But we're meant to go then and teach others what we know. Whew. We're disciple makers. Talmudin in the Hebrew means student, disciple. It means someone who wants to be like their teacher. How many know if, it's, if you've got a good teacher, you want to be like that teacher? You want to you emulate that teacher? Uh, if you were here Sunday morning with uh, missionary Azar preaching to us, he brought up some of this about what it means to be a pupil or a student of a rabbi, of a teacher. And he talked about how Jesus at the age of 30 became a, a rabbi. He became, according to, according to the time, he became a rabbi. Let's talk about three levels of students in Jewish education. All right? Three levels of education methods. The first is Bet Sefer. Bet Sefer. Amen. Praise God. Somebody's alarm's going off. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody put, punched the panic button. It happens. Come on. Praise the Lord. It's all right. <clears throat> Somebody needs to punch the panic button in their soul right now. It's watching maybe even in this building. Oh, man. You see how I did that right there? All right, three levels of education. Three levels of, the first is Bet Sefer, B-E-T, and then S-E-F-E-R. The Jews living in Jesus' day were under these three separate education venues. Bet Sefer was the first, and at the age of six through 12, a Jewish child began their formal education known as Bet Sefer. The textbook was the Torah. The first five books of the Bible are the Pentateuch, and the goal was not just to read, but to memorize the sacred text. So they would say at the age of six, a child, both boy and girl, would go to the synagogue, and the most respected man in the city would greet them with a slate. And he would put a, a, a dab of honey on that slate. And he would come in and they would stand, he would stand before them, unroll the massive scroll of scripture and begin to teach them. And every now and then he would say, take your finger in the honey and touch the tongue. And then he would quote Isaiah 19 and 10, that God's word is sweeter than a honey and the honeycomb. That's the way they were teaching them to associate that, that, that understanding that there, there's something powerful and sweet about Scripture. Can you imagine the impact of a little child associating, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, with that honey and it coming on their tongue. How many know the word is sweeter than honey? You know, the word is more powerful than the best, the best, the best of anything else. Oh, praise be to God. So in this elementary level, in this Beth Seder, they would be educated. Now, at the conclusion of Beth Seder, a bar mitzvah, how many have ever heard of a bar mitzvah? 
That is a Hebrew custom that is still maintained today. But a bar mitzvah of a boy welcomed him at 13, not from child to teenager, but at 13, he went from child to adult. I'm not so sure we might not want to do that. We, we might need to do that today and put some heavier responsibilities on these teenagers. I, I wish I had somebody that will help me with some amen. Instead of giving them a whole bunch of years of excuse, <laughs> you get me on my soapbox and I'll be there for a little bit. But they would become a full-fledged male member of society. Following this sacred milestone, usually the boy began to learn the family trade. Only the best and the brightest would continue in their education and go to stage two, which was Bet Midrash. Bet Midrash. And so the best from the age of 13 to about the age of 15, they would be a part of a, a higher level of training and they would begin to study the entire Hebrew Bible and learning all of this and begin to grow up as the best and the, the brightest. I want to tell you, it is noteworthy to know that as far as we can understand, that the oldest disciple was somewhere around the age of 18. It is believed that Peter would be around the age of 18 because that was a normal age of marrying, and he is the only one that had uh, a wife that we know of. That scripture gives us the record. So, so they were no doubt somewhere, listen to this, somewhere, some of them, in that early, early teenage years, 14, 15, 16 years old. Jesus started his ministry at the age of 30 because he was legally had the right to be a rabbi. So we find that Jesus went out and found these young men, these young adult men in the eyes of the world of that day, young adult men, and he said these words, follow me. So you have young men that had to go into trade school and had to learn their daddy's trade. He found Peter and he found, was it Andrew and, and those that were at the fishing. They were fishing, found fishermen that were at their trade. So that meant that they probably didn't qualify for the second level. They may have, but they probably didn't because of their job. And he says these words, come and follow me. What that, what, what that tells us is that they may have been rejected by the school on the second level. To be a student of the rabbis, they were rejected. And yet the rabbi of all rabbis, this is enough to make a mummy shout. A rabbi of all rabbis, Jesus said, come and follow me. Let me tell you, he can pick the least among us, the ones that have never been qualified, the ones that have been said to be unlearned and ignorant, but he can take us to a level of higher education. Amen. Hallelujah. So that was the bed midrash. Then the, the third and the highest level 
of Hebrew teaching was the Bet Talmud. The Bet Talmud. For those who finished the second level of Bet Midrash, again, only the best and the brightest can go to this third level. And so it was the longest duration from the age of 15 to the age of 30, they would be considered a student in the Bet Talmud uh, education level. For those who were, cho- were chosen to this third level were called Talmudin. Do you remember what the Hebrew word is for disciple? Talmudin. Not only does he call these people fishermen and, and tax collectors and zealots and, 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 and all that, he says, I'm transporting you to the third level of education. And what normally would take 15 years, I'm going to do it in a few months. Let me just tell you, God knows how to take us dummies and make us into Talmudine, students of him, and in a few moments, in a few years, however long it takes, we can go from being uh, somebody that was not accepted to now being accepted and ready to go. So when you have somebody that is born again, that comes off the street, could be out of a gang, could be out of a rough situation, God in a few years or maybe even a few months, maybe in a few days, because he can do it, can take them from uh, uh, the very elementary level of education and throw them up and call them Talmudine. You are a disciple. You are a student. It's not about your education. It's not about your degree. It's not even about how smart you are, how wise you are. Hallelujah, thanks be to God. He can use whom he picks. And he said, I pick the 12. The rabbis would pick these young teens to invite them to Bet Talmud level of training. It was the highest honor to be selected by a distinguished rabbi. It was the highest honor. And a a Talmudine student was said that they wanted to walk in the footstep of their rabbi. And and, and, and they tell us, I believe I I heard Brother Lane say this, that actually those students, when when their rabbi was walking in front of them, they would try to step into the place where he stepped. No doubt they walked in his dust. And they said, we want to be like our rabbi. We want to be because we are his Talmudin. History in the word revealed to us that Jesus trained his disciples in less than three years. His training so inspired them that they literally changed the world. How excited are you to follow the rabbi that picked you? 
How excited are you to follow the one that said, I'm going to be your savior. I'm going to be your source. I'm going to be your peace. I'm going to be your help. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to lead you in everything you need. I'll teach you. I'll train you. How, how wonderful. What a great honor it is tonight to be a Talmudine, to be a student of the Lord, to calculate that I'm going to follow him when you come out of the water in the lovely name of the Lord, when you are filled with his spirit, there ought to be a decision right now. I am under an obligation to be a Talmudine, to obey, not just follow, but to obey and to be like him and to be like him. It is said that in these times, they would, the, the Talmudine would, with their rabbi would eat what he ate would follow his mannerisms like that, would follow after him, would be trying to mimic him. You know, there's two things that people can call me that I become very both humble and proud at the same time, and that is if they'll ask, if they'll say, you, you, you preach just like your dad, or you act just like Bishop Walls. This is my teacher right here. This is my teacher right here. This, this on this earth is my teacher. Hallelujah. To follow in the steps of an honorable man. The greatest thing that somebody could call you is a Christian because you act like Jesus. Hallelujah, I'm a disciple of Christ. Oh, Lord, let me be like you and learn to be a disciple so I can go out and then make other disciples. I believe it's time that we reclaim the idea of what it means to be Talmudine, what it means to be a disciple, what it means, amen, to follow our rabbi. Hallelujah. We need to say, Lord, at a young age, let me start. It's, it's wonderful what is going on in the back here of our campus building right now. It is exciting to know that those students, those little kids, some of them are going to grow up to be incredible, incredible ministers of the gospel, maybe missionaries, maybe evangelists. Hallelujah. But somewhere they're going to shift to the next level of education. They're going to shift to the next. Don't say, well, you're just young. Paul said, let no man despise your youth, Timothy. If Jesus can call teenagers. Thank the Lord he called old people too. I'm telling you. He had people in his entourage and following that was, well, son, how old was Methuselah? <laughs> According to Methuselah, you and I are babies. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to just break off this teaching right quick. Do you know I found out um, that there are many tests that doctors can do to find out about you and what you are, but they have no test to know how old you are? Don't you just want to go to the doctor and say, hey, doc, I'm 35. <laughs> My point is God will use anybody 
that'll be a disciple and say, I'll follow. I want to know more. Some of us have been in church for all of our life. And, and just when I think I've got it all here, the Lord shows me <laughs> I'm still in the, the elementary age. I'm in, still in the Beth Seder uh, uh, step of that. Praise God. We need to be disciples. Let me, let me talk to you about some things that the Bible talks, that Jesus talked about disciples. In Luke 6 and 40, the disciple is not above his master. Somebody say authority. But everyone that, that is perfect, what does that mean? Fully trained, grown up, shall be as his master. It's moving up in the level of education with the Lord, amen, that we've got to be ready to go to the next level. Next level. Somebody say next level. Mark 8, 34. And when he called the people unto him with his disciples, also his Talmudin, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, you want to follow me, you want to be a student of mine, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's a good recruiting message right there, isn't it? You want to be a Christian? You want to follow the Lord? Well, here's where you start. <laughs> for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the, uh, in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. What is he saying? If you're going to be a disciple, you've got to be all in. It can't be that I'm going to be in today and out tomorrow. You know, and when I went to school, I was never jealous of those who got perfect attendance. I thought that they, they were usually some of the smartest kids in the class, and I'm thinking... Don't you know it's really okay to miss? They, they can help you make up the work. And... But if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you need perfect attendance. In the attitude of, Lord, I'm following you. When you ask of me in your word how I'm to behave, what I am to do, let me get in your step. Let me get in your step and follow you. And Paul said it like this, who was the delegated authority. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm stepping into his steps. You need to step in mine. Man, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a weight to be on anybody but to be able to say that today, there are some today that says, do what I say, but not what I do. 
But he said, what profit is it if you, you take shortcuts and you think you can go without this? And that's why, you know, I, I, I realize that there are some times, and I'm not using this as an attendance thing. I was just using that as an illustration. But, but I'm going to tell you, I don't want to miss a service because it might be that service I get my answer. It might be in that service I get a word from the Lord that changes my life forever. Or he heals my body. Now, they can, you can get that anywhere, anytime. But there's something that God set up in the body of Christ and in the local church that where we Talmudine come together and we learn about him so we can go out and win people and make Talmudine out there. Often in Scripture, we, we get into this whole thing. Well, where do, where do ladies stand? You have, you have the young men that could go to school longer and further. And if you heard Sister Gill's lesson on Mary's song, Mary may not have, she would have gone to the first Bethsaida level, but not to the next. But she did go to the next in her own life because she learned scripture enough to quote it. Ladies, you are not excused. Matter of fact, God wants you to understand that you are a disciple. And I know a lot of times whenever in scripture it speaks about a man, it's speaking of the overall mankind. I realize that a lot of times when it talks about a son, it is talking about a son and a woman in the context of that. But I want to give you flat out evidence that shows you that ladies are disciples too. First of all, there's a lot of them that went with Jesus everywhere. Enough. But let's talk about this one. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 39. Luke 10 and 39. And she had a sister called Mary. Speaking of Martha, Martha had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Sitting at Jesus' feet is the posture of a Talmudine, listening to the rabbi. Verse 40, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore and help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Yes, the serving is important, but there's something that sometimes you've got to be like Mary, for she hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. She has sat as a disciple at his feet while he is teaching. She had chosen the good part. What? To be a student, to be a disciple. Jesus broke tradition right here. Because a woman was not supposed to be put in that position. She did not have that position of going that route in the society. But yet Jesus says, I'm, she's going to sit at my feet and learn. Amen. Mary wasn't an apostle, but she sure was a disciple. 
Thank the Lord. Like all good disciples, Mary chose to remove what distracted her from her rabbi's teaching. You may have heard of John Wesley. John Wesley's mother, they, uh, John Wesley grew up in a home. Of course, his brother Charles, we, uh, Wesley was the pre- John Wesley was the preacher. Charles Wesley was a songwriter. And, and, and they, they did an incredible work. That is where the Methodist church uh, uh, started from. Uh, and, and oh, John Wesley and Charles Wesley would roll over in their grave right now if they knew that what supposedly came out of them is doing what they're doing. I'll let that sink in a little bit. But it is said that John Wesley's mother, they had a, a small house and a bunch of kids, and when she would pray, she would lift her apron up over her head. And the children were trained, don't bother mama. If that apron's over her head, that was a sign, leave her alone. Amen. What was she doing? She said, I am choosing something more important right now than taking care of my children. Moms, you need to understand your kids are important, but not as important as you being a Talmudine. Matter of fact, you being a student is important to them so that you can train your child in the way that you go, what they're supposed to go. If you don't know how to go, how can you train them how to go? Amen. Amen. Thank God for the disciples today that have chosen, I'm all in. Let me show you another thing that, I, that points this out, that, that ladies were disciples. We find that in Acts chapter 9 and 36, that there was at Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha. That's not a man's name. Matter of fact, the word disciple here is in the feminine form and not in the masculine form. So it's pointing directly to this woman named Tabitha. Can I just tell you today, Thank God for ladies' disciples. A lot of our churches would be non-existent if it wasn't for the ladies that said, I will sit at his feet. I will learn of him. I will follow him. Oh, praise be to God. Medora Church would not be what it is today if it wasn't for some of our, our pioneer Pentecostal ladies that decided to be a disciple and follow after the Lord and then make disciples. So, we have a job to do. All right. Let's talk about the kingdom concept, what it means to be a disciple. Praise God. Sister Peggy's not here tonight, is she? Sister Peggy, I miss you. Can one of y'all go get me a bottle of water? Thank the Lord. There's some in my office refrigerator if you need to. Yes. Yeah. Change the woman at the well. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you glad he can change us in five minutes? <laughs> Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for that. Yes. Let's go to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1. 2 Timothy 2 and 1. Thank you, Brother Daniel. Praise God. You talk about a disciple. This is one right here. That's a disciple right there. That's a good one. Yes, sir. 
2 Timothy 2 and 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, you didn't just take my word for it, but there was others to corroborate it. The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What is he saying? Disciples, make disciples. Disciples, make disciples. But if you're going to be a disciple maker, here's some things you've got to know. Verse 3, therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For no man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that it may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier. And if a man also strive for the mastery, if he strives to go to the next level of a relationship with the rabbi, the teacher, yet is not crowned except he strive lawfully, the husband and the laborer must be first partaker of the fruit. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Disciple makers have to be disciples, but they have to be strong. You have to be strong in your faith. <clears throat> Paul is not giving a su suggestion here, but rather a command, for it is in the present tense calling for Timothy to continually be strengthened by the grace, by the favor, by the gift that God has given him. The clear implication is that he's going to have to continue to have that mentality if he is going to be a good student and if he's going to be a good student maker. Be strong in the grace of God. Be strong in the gift of God. Hallelujah. And then if you will look at <clears throat> on over in chapter 3, and verse 10, Paul continuing talking to this young disciple maker, he says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. There is no period there, though it goes to the next verse with a comma. Persecutions, afflictions, <clears throat> which come unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecution I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. He is saying, listen, I want you to follow me. You've known my doctrine, you tell others the doctrine. You know my manner of life and how to live. You live it and you teach others to live it. You know the purpose. You understand that. Let me just tell you, that's why it's so important. If you are a teacher of the word, if you preach or teach or give Bible study or witness to somebody, there is a special a special qualification that God will put on you, but it is also very important to know that you live and you walk what you teach. Somebody say amen. amen. Verse 12, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We already talked about that, about lambs among wolves. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Wow, that's so true today. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing whom you have learned it. 
Do you realize why it's really not a great idea to become a rabid follower of a Facebook preacher? Or a YouTube preacher? Because you can't examine their life. You don't know what kind of name they have in the community. Right? You don't know if they're doing what they say they're doing. You can't see them in their life when, when you know, you don't see them when they get rattled. Or you don't see them when they get upset. How are they handling themselves? How do they handle false doctrine? How do they handle things? There are some that once preached apostolic, godly message. Now anything goes, everything goes, including homosexuality. Why? It's because somewhere they lost sight of being in step with the Christ who saved them and the teachers who taught them. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me just say this. If you want to be a disciple, if you want to be Talmudine, there's a price tag that goes with it. There's a price tag that goes with it. Luke 14, 25. It talks about that there were great multitudes that were with Jesus. Great multitudes. Then all of a sudden, the multitudes left. I will tell you what I see in Jesus is a weariness of large crowd. It was always he would have a large crowd, but then he'd preach something like, if you want to be my disciple, you have to eat uh, my flesh. They couldn't get it because they didn't understand what he was saying. You know, you want us to be cannibals? I don't think so. And they leave. Jesus is addressing this large, great multitude, a big crowd. There's a lot of candidates for disciples here, but not everyone is willing to pay the price. So the next verse. The next verse, it says, Jesus saw the great crowd, then he turns to his disciples and said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also. What's that last phrase? What does it say? You cannot be my disciple. Whoa. I'm not saying that all big churches have that issue. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just simply saying, if you're going to follow the Lord, you can't follow the crowd. You have to follow him to this extent. It's costly. If you're going to really follow Jesus and he brings a revelation before you, you have to follow that. If he shows you, here's the way, here's what it means, here's what it looked like, you have to follow it. Once he brings revelation, and then it moves into discipleship obedience. <clears throat> Do you know when, when Samuel said to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice? And he called, he called his rebellion witchcraft. And he said, to obey is, is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice is great, but there can be a wrong motive behind sacrifice. You go ask, uh, what is it, What's, what's the, the people that died in Acts 5? Priscilla. Priscilla no, wrong one. Ananias and Sapphira. Go ask them. They brought a big sacrifice, but that wasn't the problem. The problem is they didn't obey with telling the truth. Right. Obedience is better than sacrifice. If you're going to be a disciple, it will come down to this moment. Will I obey him when he says? 
Will I obey him when he says? And whatever that, that is. He said, in this context, if you don't hate your own flesh. Wow. Are you willing to say, my rabbi means the most to me. More than family. More than friends. More than my own life. Wow. That is a Talmudine. That is a disciple. It's expensive. It's a cost. Jesus said, Simon, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be. I will tell you, if you'll put God first, your family will be a wonderful relationship. It doesn't mean your love will be diminished. It actually, I believe, becomes greater when it's under his umbrella. Praise God. Jesus said in another place, if you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. Look at verse four, uh, Luke 14, verse 27. He'd already said it in the verse before that, you cannot be my disciple. Look what he says. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my Talmudine. Here is where discipleship gets personal. We are called to love the Lord with everything, with everything. Luke 9, 23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's not the seeker-friendly model that we see today in a lot of churches, but it is, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will uh, lose his life for my sake shall save it. It's expensive, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. Somebody say, worth it. Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's the life we want, isn't it? Yeah. Dead to the flesh, dead to this world, yeah. dead to sin, but alive in him. Amen. And the life which I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, praise the Lord. I want to be a disciple, but I want to be a disciple maker. It is worth it. Drop down to Matthew 13, 44. <clears throat> Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in the field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth and for joy, therefore goeth out and selleth all that he hath and buyeth the field. Anybody ever show up, you knew that there was a certain item there, it was for sale, and it was a great deal. And you had to go back and get your money. And by the time you get back there, somebody had bought it out from under you. Well, this dude went and hid. Don't you get my treasure. I'm going I'm to get my treasure. Do I have any horse traders in this house? <laughs> any wheeler dealers? Any deal finders? I hope we do. I hope we have some deal finders. Thank the Lord for that. I want to tell you the greatest deal in your life 
It may cost you everything, but it is worth it is to say, I will follow him no matter what. I will step in his step no matter what, and I'm going to get somebody to come along with me. Uh, Hallelujah. I want to be a disciple, but I've got to also be a disciple maker. I know that's my job in the ministry, but it has got to be a passion that we all take a responsibility for. I got to tell somebody that my rabbi, my teacher, has helped me so much in life. Would you stand with me, please? The confusion in our world is because we kick Jesus out. The confusion in our nation is because we kick truth out. We have, we have said to the word of God, you're, 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 you're messed up. You're not even of a God anymore. It's of a man's thoughts. And so we pick and choose as we wish to believe. But I've come to tell you, there's a treasure. How many of you ever come to the house of God and in a service you found a treasure? It's like, whoa, I, I never heard anybody sing it that way. I've never heard anybody preach it that way. Hallelujah. Oh, thanks be to God. Lord, we praise you today. I want you to pray right where you are right now that God would help you be both a disciple and a disciple maker. Lord, help me, Lord Jesus, to learn more daily of you that I may teach others more daily of you. God, I praise you today for your word is true. I praise you today that You have set the example before us by robing yourself in flesh and coming and being among us and showing us that in the flesh with your power, we can overcome. In this flesh with your anointing, we can walk a crucified life. We can say no to sin. We can say no to lust. We can say no to gossip. We can say no to jealousy. We can say no to envy and covetousness and strife. We can say no to all of the things that comes from this flesh. Thank you, Lord, today. I will follow you. I will follow you. Amen. Would you make that Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.